Good morning, Third Street. Hallelujah. It's good to see you all this morning. I am extremely excited to be here. If you do not know me, uh, nice to meet you. My name is Corey. I'm one of the co-pastors here at Third Street Community Church, and it is uh, my distinct honor and privilege this morning to be bringing forth the Word of God. It is my distinct honor and privilege to be closing out a series that we have been in since the beginning of the year. Church, if you've been with me, if you've been rocking with us since the beginning of the year, say, for freedom's sake. Even if you're brand new this morning and you're just, you're just checking us out and you're just feel, vibing out how it feels and trying to figure out whether or not you like us and you're still not sure yet, that's okay. Join everybody else this morning in saying, for freedom's sake. And just because it's the last time for a hot minute that we're going to be able to say something like this out loud all together as a congregation, one more time, like God put breath in your lungs this morning, can we say, for freedom's sake? We've been in this series called For Freedom's Sake, coming out of Galatians, talking about how you have been set free for freedom's sake. We've been talking about the Lord's heart for freedom and that we are actually unable to separate this idea of freedom, full freedom, totality of freedom, spiritual freedom, physical freedom, emotional, mental freedom from the gospel of Jesus Christ. You cannot separate the two things. It is at the heart of everything Jesus does to set people free. We've talked about the chains that we find ourselves in. We talked about the chains that we keep other people in. We've talked about the mission for freedom everywhere, all across the globe. We've talked about how how we are to understand these things theologically, literally, physically, emotionally. And this week... I don't know if you feel it yet with me or not. I, I, I can't really tell. There was almost a moment in worship where I thought maybe I wasn't alone on this one. I don't know if you can feel it, but I feel like the Lord has some freedom for us this morning. I feel like the Lord wants to set somebody free this morning as we conclude our series in talking about how to obtain a freedom that lasts. Church, I want you to join me in saying that. Say, freedom that lasts. Yeah. And so for this this morning, uh, once upon a time, Pastor KT took us to the beginning of John chapter 8. This morning for us to conclude, we're going to the end of John chapter 8. So flip with me to the Gospel of John. If you got your New Testament ready, it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, fourth book of the New Testament. We're going to the eighth chapter, which is indicated by the big number eight. We're going to drop down to the 30th verse and just read a few of them here this morning. If you have your physical Bibles with you, go ahead, take a second to get there. If you don't have your physical Bibles with you this morning, that's okay. You don't need to feel the strength and the, and the sense of urgency to fight off the temptation of the devil to stay off of Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, text messages, fantasy basketball, Super Bowl betting odds. None of that stuff can tempt you right now because we got the scripture up here on the screen for you. So feel free to look up here at it. This is the gospel of John. This is chapter eight. And John says it this way. He says, as he, meaning Jesus, was saying these things, many believed in him. Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my word, you really are my disciples. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. But the people had a response. You know how that goes, that talking back. People said, we are descendants of Abraham. And we have never been enslaved to anyone. 
How can you say you will become free? Jesus, excuse me, Jesus responded, emotional already. Jesus responded, truly I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not remain in the household forever, but a son does remain forever. So if the son sets you free, you really will be free. On September 22nd, 1862, none of us were alive. But we should know that date because that's the date that President Abraham Lincoln signs the Emancipation Proclamation. The Emancipation Proclamation that says that by January 1st of 1983, all persons held as slaves are and henceforth shall be free. That's a beautiful thing. The sad reality of that beautiful thing is that even still with the president's signature, not all slaves went on to realize their freedom. Some who had been held in bondage didn't get the message, never got there. States designed ways to disrupt the good news from, from getting there. And we know that, as a matter of fact, it didn't even spread into all of the known states until nearly three years later, June 19th, 1865. We also know that other states created and passed new laws in light of the emancipation, new laws that would justify the re-victimization of the recently liberated setting people back into slavery if they were convicted of a crime. And others still, others, other slaves still, chose to stay on the land that they were enslaved on because being born a, being born a slave, nobody had ever given anyone else an imagination that there could possibly be more. And that should break your heart. That should break your heart, that sad reality, that even though as a nation we recognize that freedom was necessary, that some people still didn't get it. That should break your heart. That should break your heart because it breaks God's heart. And as it, as it stands, we still deal with the consequences and the fallout from that era even still today. Though some of us still fail to realize that it should break your heart, not only for that era, but because we do still deal with the consequences of that. It should also break your heart because this speaks so perfectly as well to all of our spiritual reality in addition. The reality that we have indeed been set free. And yet some of us refuse to receive that message. Some of us have received it, but then gone out into the world that is intentionally designed to re-enslave us. And so as those who have not been taught how to be free, we find ourselves back in chains. And even still, there are those of us who have no imagination. I would like to say it another way, have no faith to believe 
that God would actually have more for us than our present circumstances. When our lives are ruled in a world that designs systems and campaigns to keep us in chains, how on earth can we possibly experience a freedom that lasts? I hope I've made you sufficiently uncomfortable because that's the energy that the people surrounding Jesus in this passage likely felt. Jesus is saying some real touchy things. He's stepping on more than a few toes. Jesus is coming right into their living rooms with some of these things. As you read throughout chapter 8, as you read these things that Jesus has been doing and saying at this point, Jesus just set an adulteress free. Somebody who was guilty, right, KT? Somebody who was, who, who, who was guilty. That was, that was the message that you preached. But that the Lord extended grace as well as challenge in setting her free. Jesus then goes on to say, as a matter of fact, you know, it's appropriate that Noah mentioned this. As a matter of fact, I am the light of the world. People get a little upset at that idea. Jesus goes on to talk about how he's, he's about to go somewhere that you all are not permitted. And that sounds offensive. Because I know you don't like not getting invited just like I don't like not getting invited. Jesus is easy enough to say, ruffling some feathers, if you will, right? Jesus is upsetting some folks. But what's crazy, what's crazy, what's even crazier than the things that he's saying is that the Gospel of John records some people surrounding him are actually starting to believe him. Some people are actually starting to think, you know what? There might actually be something too the things that Jesus is saying. So Jesus speaks to them. It doesn't say that everybody else in the crowd went away. We'll see that in a second. But he's like, you know what? Those who refuse to hear this, those who refuse to understand this, those who do not have ears to hear, I ain't talking to you. Let me talk specifically to those who think they might, maybe, possibly be open to the idea that I am presenting. Jesus says, if you want to be my true disciples, he's going to say, if you really want to be free, Third Street, if you really want a freedom that lasts, what does Jesus say? He says, you must continue in my word. You must remain in my word. I couldn't help myself. I'm a nerd. I went back to the Greek. I was like, I'm curious. How is this recorded? How did Jesus actually say it? How did, actually, how did this actually play out? And the word that Jesus uses for continue, some translations have it remain. The word that he uses there, it is the same in John 15. I know some of you were wondering, right? But that word, I go back to in its definition, and it's got a few of them. So how do we know which one Jesus really meant in context? Well, I'm going to go through them, and I, I feel like this morning I stand on good ground to suggest that Jesus chose this word intentionally because he meant all of them. It's the word continue 
or the word remain, the word for that in Greek, first of all, means to continue to be present in. In other words, keep on learning. You, you, you who have, who have just come to the point of being set free, you just learned something. You just learned about your freedom and that now that you're free, now continue to keep that posture. Don't get haughty and proud with it. Don't seek revenge and justice. That belongs to God. He says, he said, he says, keep on learning. Keep on learning. Keep on seeking to know. The word also means to sojourn and to not depart from. In other words, walk with it a little bit. Don't just sit here on a Sunday morning and be like, it sounds good, and then don't think about it no more until next Sunday. Don't just receive what God has for you in worship and then sit on it and not share it and not apply it as you go throughout your week at work. Amen. Don't just be sitting here talking about, woo, glad that's for me, while your neighbors are actively suffering. But walk it out one time. It means to be held and to be kept. In other words, be comforted by his word. There's a lot of unknowns. There's a lot of things that we don't understand. There are a lot of discontents that we feel in our hearts and in our minds. But the Lord says we have reason to take comfort in his word. We have reason to find, to feel kept, to feel held by Jesus, his ministry, and his word. It means to continue to be or to see it last. In other words, don't let it die out. Don't let this be the latest, uh, how nice do I want to be? New Year's resolution that you set for yourself and don't see all the way through. Don't let this be your latest gym membership. Don't let this be, ah, uh, nah, let me let it go. I was about to get in trouble, KT. I was about to get in trouble. Rev gave me, he's, oh, okay. It means to become another. In other words, don't just hear it. Don't just receive it, but be changed by it. Don't, don't receive your freedom and then hold on to your identity as a slave. Right? Don't be set loose from your addiction and go about participating in your addiction. Don't, don't realize that you are forgiven and henceforth move with resentment. It means, it means to wait on it. <laughs> In other words, have faith. Have faith while God is working out the promise. Yes, I think he meant all of that. To continue in my word. Walk in it. Find comfort in it. Don't let it die out. Be transformed by it. Have faith while you wait on the extent of its promises. Jesus doubles down right after that because I'm imagining some, 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 some heads went sideways. I'm imagining some eyes went crossed. 
I'm imagining some arms got folded. And Jesus doubles down. He says, if you do this, if you continue in this, then and only then will you really be set free. You will really be free. And what does his word tell us? What does his ministry tell us? That we will be free from condemnation. If we continue in it, we will be free from darkness. If we continue in it, we will be free from the, the power of the enemy. If we continue in it, we will even be free from death. Church, this brings me to the first of only two things that I hope we walk out of here with this morning. And that is that if you want a freedom that lasts, follow Jesus. Amen. So Continue in Jesus. Keep on going with Jesus. Even when the workout starts to hurt and you start to think this might be good enough, keep on going with Jesus. Even when things start to work out and not exactly in the way that you had prayed for or expected, hang on, cling tightly, keep on going with Jesus. Even as you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, keep on going. Keep on going with Jesus. I mentioned a few weeks ago the experience that I had over in Asia working with this organization called A21. If you weren't here, you're not familiar with A21. It's an anti-human trafficking organization. And, and, and one of the things that, that, I, that I have come to appreciate uh, the most about them is, is, is the emphasis that they place on recognizing that a huge problem in human trafficking is re-victimization. It's not just that people are being enslaved once. It's that once you have been enslaved you and, and then set free, you are further susceptible to be enslaved again. And so in order to fight against the re-victimization of slavery in modern day, what they do is a whole office of what they do is, in, is designed and intended to walk alongside those have been set, who have been set free, to, to teach them how to be free, some of them for the first time and some of them again. Right. And what goes into that is that goes into that, that speaks to everything from jobs training to counseling to skills, to all kinds of stuff, right? Because, because what A21 recognizes that I think like spiritually I would hope that we all obtained this morning is that sometimes you have to teach and equip people how to be free. Sometimes I think that those of us who have been in these chains for so long and we felt the Lord cause them to fall off, we think that we're just good from here on out, that we can continue in these liberties, that we can continue in these freedoms. But the reality is those of us who were born in these chains, which theologically I believe is all of us being born into sin, we don't know how to be free. We don't know how to work things out. And so we've got to continue with Jesus. We've got to continue in his word. We've got to continue in this relationship with the father because quite frankly, if we're being super real with each other, we don't know how to work it out. We don't know how to walk it out. We don't know how to stay free. We don't know how to throw these chains off without picking up the next ones. We don't know how. When we have been enslaved to sin, what we need to understand is that freedom, 
Freedom is not a once and for all event. What I hope that we begin to understand this morning is that freedom is not a once and for all event. Freedom is a daily decision. Freely is, freedom is a, is, a, is a conscious spiritual decision to wake up in the morning, even on the dark mornings, even on the gray mornings, even on the mornings after the difficult nights and to still choose Jesus. That's freedom. It's a daily decision. It's a daily commitment. And we got to learn how to do this. And we have to decide over and over again to do this. We have to decide over and over again to be free. A lot of us have learned how to celebrate the Lord delivering us before, and we were good for a little while, but now what nobody knows, because they were with us in the celebration, what nobody knows is that we're right back in them. We're right back in those chains. That same thing that, I was, that a month ago I was giving praise to the Lord for freeing me from, I'm still secretly tripping up in when ain't none of you around. is a daily decision. And I recognize how defeating that feels. You guys have heard me say this before from up here. Sometimes the hardest part about being a Christian is that I have to be a Christian every time. Because this some of y'all, man, no, I'm playing. I'm playing, I'm playing, I'm playing. Are you telling the truth? I am, but don't. <laughs> what Jesus lays out so plain is that if you want to stay free, if you want to have a freedom that lasts, you follow me. You follow me and you follow the rhythms that I have, that I have embodied for you. In other words, staying connected to the Father in prayer. I love that scripture includes how often Jesus got away from everybody to go pray. Because a lot of us keep using the excuse of like, well, that's, that's easy for him. He, he was God. That's easy for him. He was, he was born into divinity. That's easy for him. Uh-uh. Even Jesus got fed up with some of y'all's stuff and had to go away and meditate and be like, Father, you better come get them. Right? This means staying in his word. Because how on earth are we going to know if we're correctly hearing what we think he's saying to us if we don't know all of the things that he's already said? Come on, Pastor. How are we actually going to be able to discern the difference between the advice I think I'm giving myself based on emotion and the actual presence and spirit of the Lord if we don't know what he's already said in his word? How do we know what's in his character to do if we don't know what he's already done? And how do we know the vision that he has for our lives if we don't read about his intentions in the word? See, but this also means, because scripture lays this out too, this also means staying committed to his vehicle. You want to be along for his ride, you got to be in his car, and his car on this side of eternity is the church. This is why I keep going on shameless soapbox rants about we got to stop talking bad about the church. I don't care if it's Third Street or somebody else's church. I better not see you talking bad about it. We got to cut that stuff out. The world would love nothing more than to discredit the Lord's vehicle. That's what the world wants. Right? You want to be along for the ride that God has on this side of eternity so that you see the other one? You got to get in his car. His car's the church. 
If you've been here, you know that what I'm going to ask you to do is join yourself in community. You better go to these huddles, right? Be upstairs on a Sunday morning. Talk about Bible 100. I still need Bible 100. Be committed in community. Be committed in, in spiritual life alongside one another. And then, of course, I, I would be remiss if I left out the fact that, oh, yeah, we should actually probably do and apply the insights that the Lord reveals in those things. It means outside of our times on Sunday, outside of going to huddle, outside of all these other religious acts we, 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 we cling to, that we should also be walking out and doing the things that, that we are learning about ourselves that we need to do, that we are learning is in the character of the Lord to do. We have to believe, we have to believe over and over again that freedom is still for us. We have to believe, we have to, we have to decide that we want a freedom that lasts by daily staying committed to Jesus. And I think what, this is about to be the toughest part. I'm not going to hold you. If I haven't made you uncomfortable by now, well, I'm sorry, because it's coming. Because this is the toughest part of the text for me. I actually intended to go a lot further in this text, but I couldn't get past this part right here. The fact that the Pharisees and other Jews could not bring themselves to see it. The fact that they were face to face with Jesus and they couldn't bring themselves to see and agree with what he was saying. He said, stay in my word, you will know the truth. And that truth will set you free. And they said, we're the descendants of Abraham. We've never been enslaved. Wow. Okay. So that means that the people in this text were so blind. They were so, how do I want to say this, attached to their pride. They were so blinded by their pride in their ethnic heritage that they completely missed how stupid that statement is. Now, I know some of us are still learning our word. All of us should be learning our word, but I know some of us are like brand new to it. So let me explain to you how this statement is stupid on at least three different levels. They said, we're the descendants of Abraham. We have never been enslaved to anyone. Well, first of all, that's literally, historically, factually not even true. Twice in the Old Testament, at minimum, we read that the descendants of Abraham were enslaved. Twice. On top of that, historically, at the time that this was said and recorded, they were under Roman occupancy and oppression. They were literally not free. Then or then at all. In addition, 
To that falsity, we recognize that there is a claim and pride that they believe about themselves that as the descendants of Abraham, they inherit God's kingdom automatically. Okay, watch this. They believe that as the descendants of Abraham, they inherit the kingdom automatically, okay, while they're actively rejecting the son of whose kingdom it is, who came to this earth on behalf of, sent by, to direct us to that kingdom. Is that setting in for anybody in here? They are saying they automatically get God's kingdom while they're actively rejecting the incarnation of God. They are so blind by their own pride that they don't even realize the freedom they have been waiting on is speaking directly to them. Not only that, but imagine this. They were insulted by his words. They were insulted by being called slaves. How dare you say that I'm a slave when that is actively and historically been the case? So then he clarifies and says, no, 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 no. I mean, first of all, you're wrong historically, but I'm also not talking about historically. I'm talking about spiritually. He says, anyone who has sin is a slave to sin. And you, you cannot stay that way forever and expect to inherit the kingdom. He says it plainly. He says a slave doesn't stay in the house, doesn't doesn't get the inheritance. The son does. Rabbis of this time had a saying. They had a few of them. I'll share the one that I feel to be the most appropriate. The rabbis had sayings to describe how sin escalates. Some of them would say, sin at its beginning is like a dinner guest. And then later becomes the ruler of your household. What he's saying is, some of y'all being so blinded by your pride have let sin in as a dinner guest. Well, it ain't that big of a deal. It'll come and go. Until you mess around and welcome it for so long that it now runs your whole household. But Jesus is making a definitive statement that that's not how God runs his household. That's that's not what we're going to do, right? Jesus is trying to point out that even as the descendants of Abraham, they have raveled themselves in chains. And if something else does not happen to change that, they are going to take themselves right out of an inheritance that they believe is rightfully theirs. The good news that Jesus is trying to give is that the son is here 
to present your freedom. This is the last thing that I want to say. And it's that for freedom that lasts, we have to let go of everything else. There was a lot they wanted to hold on to. And for the Pharisees, I have to believe that part of the reason they didn't like what Jesus was saying was because it compromised their own position. Right? They say that they're actively waiting on the Messiah, but as long as the Messiah isn't here, the people were looking at them to rule. So you see how the arrival of the Messiah may actually compromise, you know, their livelihood and stuff. They would rather hold on to their titles. They would rather hold on to their positions. They would rather hold on to their history than to be made free. For freedom that lasts, we have to let go of everything else. Here's my fear. My fear for the church is that we stay so attached to something that it causes us to miss the Savior telling us that it's costing us our freedom. You see what I'm saying? My fear is that we are, I'm, I'm sure for a lot of us it's accidental, but like my fear is that we're staying so attached to something that we are missing the Savior telling us that that thing you're staying attached to is costing you freedom. It's costing you all that the Lord actually has for you. And we actually do it a lot. We do it all the time. We, we worry about security. So we hold on to the environments that, that we know aren't good for us because it's what we already know. And there's safety in what we already know. We worry, we worry about money. And so, and so we hold on to every penny, but we operate our entire lives out of a scarcity mentality. And we miss generosity for what it's worth. We worry so much about being lonely that we hold on to all types of places and relationships that are actively holding us back. We worry so much about being hurt again that we cling tightly to these walls and facades that we have put up in front of ourselves because it lets us feel like we're in control. We worry about losing everything. So we relentlessly serve the needs of that which we don't want to lose while sacrificing our own health and needs. I'm really worried that if the Lord came to you in your time of prayer and pointed to something and said, I I need you to let that go, that there would actually be things in your life that you look back at the Lord and say, I can't. Because all that's going to do is prevent your freedom. It's going to prevent the promises and the much better and the best possible that God has for you. It's going to keep you raveled in chains. And it's going to cause you to roll right out of his house. Yes, 
holding on to anything that God did not place in our hands will only serve to take us away from God. Does that make sense? Holding on to anything that God did not give you will only ultimately take you further away from God and all that he wants from you. And it will cause you to leave his house. Now, I want to be real clear about something. Because what what we're not going to do is we're not going to run this back and mix up my words. Okay? What I'm not saying as a church is that if you got some chains or some things that you're holding on to, you're getting kicked out. We're not going to let that lie set in. We're not going to continue this manipulative narrative that the world wants to tell about the church that if you're not perfect, they don't let you stay. We're not feeding that here. What we are going to clarify is that the things that we hold on to have a tendency and an intention to spiral in a way that they take you out of his church. We're trying to walk walk through these things with you. But these things are not trying to allow us to do that. The chains that the enemy has you in do not want the presence of the Lord or his people. And so they are actively trying to prevent you from being called where you belong, closer to the Father and his eternal reality. Church, if we want a freedom that lasts, we have to be ready and willing to let go of everything else. Everything else. We have to be willing to leave behind anything that is not from the Lord. How do I know if it's from the Lord? You talk to him? No. You read his word? No. You sought counsel from your mature believing community? No. Ah. Well, you know, it's tough out here. The Apostle Paul, who knows a thing or two about being in chains, says it a little differently in Romans 6. He says, don't you know that if you offer yourself to someone as obedient slaves, you're slaves of, you're slaves of that one that you obey? Either of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. Skip down a little bit. He goes on to say, and having been set free from sin, you become enslaved to righteousness. Paul is somebody who part of his imprisonment, he is actively chained to a Roman guard. He is actively attached to an enemy. And so Paul is evoking that imagery and he's saying, ignore the fact that I'm attached to this enemy because I've actually been set free from this. The way that you stay free is you attach yourself not to the next thing, not to the next struggle, not to the next dinner guest. You attach yourself to Jesus. If you attach yourself to Jesus, it will lead you 
not to sin and death, but to righteousness. As a church, my, my plea for us as we close out this series might sound familiar, but my plea for us is to cling tightly to Jesus. To cling tightly to Jesus because attaching ourselves to him is the only way we experience a righteous freedom that lasts. Attach ourselves to God because God leads us to a freedom that is not temporary, it is not shallow, it is eternal, and it is perfect. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your freedom. We thank you that though we were once and maybe still caught up in our sin, that you saw an image bearer worth redeeming. Lord, we thank you that through the presence, the ministry, the death and the resurrection of your son Jesus, that we have been set free. Lord, we thank you for the infinite wisdom you laid down to design the church that caused us to even receive this message of freedom in the first place. God, we are grateful for your church. God, we are grateful for your message of freedom. And Lord, we, we repent. We let go and turn away from the things that you have had to set us free from. And now, Lord, without many answers of what comes next, we ask for you to give us just what we need in this day. Give us the strength to tell our chains no. Give us the courage to continue in your word one more day. Give us the faith to throw out the lies of the enemy that manipulate us away from you. And to say yes, even just one more time, to seeing what it is that you have for us. Give us the patience to believe in what we cannot yet see. Because, Lord, we recognize this morning that when we let go of all that we've been attached to and we cling tightly to the words and the presence of your son, Jesus, you lead us not into temptation, but you deliver us from evil. Pray these things in Jesus' name. All who believe say.
What's up?